Hi, this is Larissa Miller. This is a message about your original design. You were created by God and for God. And He's a jealous God, an all-consuming fire. Truman, say fire. Fire. He says to worship and serve Him only. Serve Him only. (laughs) I hope it blesses you. Truman and I are praying for you that God would consume your heart, your thoughts, your in mind, your heart. in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. What's up? Hi. I love reward. You know, the Bible says, outdo one another in showing honor. And this man lives like that. He's always outdoing you and showing honor. Um, hey, that wasn't that good? I love, is Abby in here? Those, bless you. It's hot. You were just leading with fire, and then you had to sit down, and we were all wanting to wave palm branches at you. Um, I love what she said about how she's known him that way since she was a little girl. And I thought, yes, that is who he is, always restoring. And so I don't know, guys, I'm, I'm almost 40, and I still have things that he still restores for me. And I, 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 I'm guessing this is going to be until I see him face to face. So I want you to be encouraged that whatever it is, even if it feels like you've been waiting a long time, for your heart to get whole or healed, he will come through. He will do it. He's faithful. And your heart matters more to him than anything. I felt like I had a couple of words before I launch into the word. Um, I felt like the Lord was showing me that there's, there's multiple people in this room that, that even as you're here, even as you came here, even as you're worshiping, that the accuser is just right here saying, you've done this before. You've responded to the altar call before. You've worshiped before. And then you went and did this, and then you went and did that. And then you, you're a fraud. I just heard it. You're a fraud. You're a hypocrite. I can't believe you're in here worshiping with them. And you know what I want you to say? I want you to say, devil, shut up. I am in my father's house. And listen, he, what he might be saying might be true. But I want to give you a bigger truth. The bigger truth is that you're here, that you chose to be here, that you want to be here. Amen? So I just want to tell you, to tell the devil, even as we go throughout the rest of our evening, shut up. I am not listening to that voice because I'm a child of God, and maybe I've fallen many times, but tonight, I'm here. I am here. I am here. I'm here by my own will. I chose to be here. I walked through the door. I'm sitting my butt in this chair because I want to be here because I choose God. 
So I just want you to tell that voice to shut up. Maybe you need to stand up and like yell at the back of the wall and tell it to shut up because I just feel like he just wants to harass you to by the time that this surface is over, you're just glad it's over so that the harassment will slow down. It's just lies, lies, lies. And, and, and it's weird because it will come in a religious voice that sounds like, yeah, that's true. I am a hypocrite. You know what? You are in need of mercy. You are in need of grace. And it's why you're here. Because there's something in you that said, I need God. I might be a mess. I may have messed up yesterday. I may have responded to a million altar calls. Well, guess what? You're still here. Is this encouraging someone? You're still here. You're still here. And all you have right now is right now. You can't do anything about five minutes ago. And you can't do anything about five minutes from now. But right now, you have a choice. And you can choose to dial in and say, God, I'm here. If it's you, I want it. I might be scared. I might be broken. I might feel guilty. I might whatever. I'm here right now. Can we be here together right now? I know it's hot, too. I wish we had those Mr. Fans like they do at restaurants outside. Um, <clears throat> here's another word. I felt like there were some of you who, um, you've had what you would call a checkered past. And you're like, I know that I've been saved from that past, but what's next? And I saw the Lord just take you, and it was like a play on words, and it was like the checkerboard began to elevate, and your, your checkered past became a platform that you begin to release the kingdom from. That whatever it is that you have been through, that you'll begin to, the Lord will begin to elevate you from that very place of brokenness, whether it was addiction, whether it was a broken family, whether it was heartbreak, whether it was sexual sin, whatever it was, and the Lord was gonna begin to elevate you on that same very platform for you to begin to release the kingdom and freedom into people's lives. Does that resonate with anyone in specific? Just raise your hand if that's you. Keep your hand up, come on. Come on, the Lord's going to use you. Keep your hands up. Guys, if you're around them, let's just lay hands on them for a minute. Lord, we say that these ones, that you take the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, and these ones who have been through something, you are going to begin, their pain, I just hear him saying, your pain's gonna be your platform. Your pain's gonna be your platform. Your pain's gonna be your platform. You're gonna release the kingdom from the very things that you've been through. You will no longer feel any shame about what you've walked through, but you will walk in power and authority in that very thing. Power and authority. Power, just if you have your hands on them, release it. Say power and authority in the name of Jesus. Power and authority in the name of Jesus. It's just like, it's what Abby started saying tonight and BJ was singing about him. I know him, that he will not leave you broken. He will restore. And there's something to be said for when we go through something and we come out on the other side and we know God 
as a forgiver, as a redeemer, as a provider, and you stand in that place and you look at someone walking through it, and they're broken and they're scared and they don't know and they're afraid and they're whatever, and you say, no, 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 I know, I know, I know, and there's authority in your I know. You've got authority in your I know because you've been through it and you do know. Amen? I'm fired up. Fired up. So fired up. (laughs) Okay. Put your hand on your heart. So cliche. Lord, we love you. And we know that you said that you put the glory of the knowledge of God, the face of your son inside this heart. Thank you for your eyes of fire inside these hearts. Thank you that you're an all-consuming fire. Thank you that you are worthy. Thank you that it was for freedom that you set us free. Thank you that whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Thank you that where your spirit is, there is freedom. 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 So I pray, Holy Spirit, tonight, let there be an outbreak of freedom from bondage. Freedom from lesser lovers. Freedom from the fear of man. Freedom from the things that weigh us down, that hinder us, that trip us up. Freedom from worry, freedom from anxiety, freedom from generational sins and curses, freedom in the name of Jesus. I'm going to talk to you tonight about idolatry. (laughs) Can, Can you open that for me? Thank you. Um... An idol is anything that you put above God. Thank you, Pam. Above God. So even now as I'm talking, I want you to just pay attention. This is a night of freedom. This is not a night of condemnation. Okay? So if things begin to pop up in your heart as I'm talking, it means that they're ready to go. They're ready to not have the place of God in your life. So even as I'm talking, if there's things, I know in a room like this that's full of a younger crowd, there's plenty of things that begin to pop up in you like, uh, she's gonna, she's gonna like, she's gonna ask me to let go of this or that or this or that. Just begin to pay attention. Sometimes things manifest in us. And it's just the Lord going, yeah, we're going to get rid of that tonight. We're going to get free. We're going to get free. Don't be scared. Demons are scared. You're not scared. You're going to get free. It's so wonderful. When I was 
24, I was raised in church. And uh, in fact, my parents were missionaries. My dad was a preacher. I was raised in church. Um, but I didn't really know God. I didn't really give him everything. I just kept trying to do the right thing. Anyone? And I wasn't very successful at trying to do the right thing. Because I actually didn't really want to. Even though I wanted to, but I didn't want to. Anyone relate? <clears throat> and when I was 24, I got into a room like this. And I was, I had all the feels, if you will. I was shaky and jittery and I could tell that there was something in me that was crying out to give up and to surrender and to give in to God. And I was terrified. Because then, just like some, is happening in some of you right now, all the things that I didn't want to let go of or I was afraid of what it would look like or, well, now I can't determine my own future or the things that I want or what if, what if the things that I want don't happen now? What if... God's mean. What if he makes me go to, I don't know, you know, I, I think a lot of us think when we're, when we're young, we think, oh, like, if I give in to God, he's going to call me to Africa, or he's going to, he's going <laughs> to, I would have loved that, to be honest, but here I am, he called me to Dallas, of all things, but <clears throat> I was in a room like this, and, and I just, you know, my heart rate would climb, my body temperature would increase, and I just was like, everyone around me was going after him, and I'm like, something in me wanted to, and there was a other big something that really didn't want to. But I'm telling you, when I finally let go, when I was miserable enough to get off my butt and respond and give all the way in, oh, freedom, freedom, oh, power and authority to overcome the things that I couldn't overcome before, oh, the love that I felt, oh, the like, I'm not in control and I'm so happy I'm not in control, but two minutes before, it was like, I'm not going to be in control and oh no. But what if I don't get to, what if I have to marry like some guy I don't like or what, the, the weird thoughts that I had. I mean, I can remember, I remember talking to a girl one time and she, she um, had dealt with an eating disorder, but she so didn't want to let go and let the Lord minister to that because she was afraid if she did, she would get fat. And it was like, no, there's, you're, you know, you're missing the point. Like, the freedom is actually on the other side of just let go. Let him in. He's here. Let him in. Hi. <clears throat> All right. So, idols are going to topple and fall tonight. Amen? All right. One of the temptations of Jesus in the wilderness from Satan was unto idolatry. I want you to look at the scripture. Say we love scripture. It's from Matthew chapter four. Verse 
Again, the devil took him, took Jesus, to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. This is what idolatry would be. It would be to worship anyone other than God. Then Jesus said to him, go, Satan, for it's written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Jesus is quoting one of the Ten Commandments, right? You shall have no other gods before me. You shall worship and serve me only. So that's why he says it's written. Satan is, uh, imagine he pulls him up. He's showing him all the kingdoms and their glory. And he says, if you'll bow down and worship me, I'll give you these. Now, I believe, theologically, those were actually Satan's to give. You could argue with me, but whatever. You don't have a mic. (laughs) So, so Jesus was eventually going to, in a right way from the Father by giving up his life, he was going to inherit, right? All that would belong to him, but didn't yet. And so the temptation was to fall down and worship Satan and circumvent what the Father had asked Jesus to do in order to obtain what was going to be his, his inheritance, right? So the temptation was to circumvent all the hard parts in order to get what he was promised. And many times we can make idols over what we feel like we've been promised or over our inheritance. And it may be a legitimate promise or inheritance, but when you manipulate control and do it another way rather than wait on the Lord to bring that to you, to let it come to pass, it becomes idolatry. And it becomes something that you aren't ready to receive. So let's talk about, let's define it a little bit more. So idolatry is to worship or serve anyone or anything other than the one true living God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Oh, look at that. Um, Okay, so let's look at the definition of worship. Worship is more than singing and dancing. It's that, but it's also this, to express in attitude or gesture one's complete dependence on or submission to a high authority figure. Even the act of bowing shows this, right? And then to serve is just to serve or work for someone. And God said, when he gave the Ten Commandments, he said, I am the one true God. You're not put any other God beside me or above me, and you're to worship and serve me only. You belong completely to me. All right, if you get nothing else from tonight, get this. Say this. Say, I exist for God. You were fashioned, formed, created in your mother's womb with his hands. 
knitting you together, you were fashioned for one purpose. I'm gonna give you a tremendous breakthrough. Your calling is to be God's. You, you, are, you have been created, formed for him. Just for him. Whatever he would like to do with you, you will find yourself most satisfied, most in your, like a fish in water, when you know I exist for you. Hear me. He doesn't exist for you. You exist for him. He is for you like a good father, but he doesn't exist for you like a genie in a bottle. You exist for him. And when you line up with that reality, when your actions, thoughts, beliefs, feelings line up, when you choose to line up with that, you'll find contentment. Your soul will be satisfied. I belong to you. I exist for you to worship you and to serve you. And until you come into agreement with that reality, you will be frustrated, tormented, and irritated. You don't exist for the pieces that may come underneath that. Because there will be many things that come underneath existing for God and what he has for your life. Let me see if I can explain that better. I exist for God. He fashioned and made me for him. Not about doing something for him because I've done a lot of different things in my life. And, and I will do a lot of different things in my life. And my calling has looked different over the course of my life and will look different. There may come a time when me existing for him will look like worshiping him in the form of caring for my elderly parents. There will, may come a time where worshiping him may look like being intimate with my husband. There will come a time where worshiping him will look like doing what I'm doing right now in front of you. I exist for him. And the, the way that may play out day in and day out over the course of your life will change a lot. But the one truth that will never change is that I was made by God, through God, and for God, period. We are living in a world that is asking you constantly, but like, but what are your, what are your, what, what are your passions? What's your strength? What's your, great, that's great. But it's so you focused that it can make you miserable. Because say you take all the tests and you know your number and your sign and your, your color and your shape and your, all your things and you know it all and then you find like, okay, I'm supposed to be an engineer. And you go to be an engineer and it's just not satisfying. But you're like, but all the tests pointed me here. 
It's because if you're an engineer, you're an engineer unto the Lord. And you're an engineer, you're unto the Lord when you got ready that morning. And the clothes that you picked out. And the way that you treated the person behind the counter. And the way that you worshipped him when you were talking to that homeless person. And the way that you worshipped him when you, the way you handled your children. And the way that you, is all unto him. It is all Worship is all serving him. And what I'm telling you tonight is that there are things that consume your thoughts and your feelings and your time and your resources, and they're tormenting you. And the reason why they're tormenting you is because they've taken a place. And they're trying to hold your expectation, and they can't. They can't, they can't hold it. Like if, do you see this podium? Like if enough of us sat on here together, it would crack. There's only one source, one place, one person that can handle the weight of your longing, your satisfaction, your expectation, your hope. And we will make, we will make, and I know that like none of us are bowing down to images, you know, in our homes or whatever. But in the New Testament, Paul likens idolatry to covetousness, which is just wanting something that isn't yours. Wanting something that doesn't belong to you. And so one way that you know if idolatry is like taking a little bit of a root in your heart is if the grass is always greener. I want that body, that relationship, that marriage, that family, that car, that job, that stage, that influence, that many followers, that girlfriend, that boyfriend, that whatever. And it consumes you and it's because there's something that got out of alignment. It just got out of whack. And listen, this isn't to shame you or condemn you. It's to set you free because tonight all we have to do is come back and say, I'm yours. All I am is I belong to you. I was made for you. Listen to me, you guys, tonight. Especially, yeah, I, I'm not, I wasn't made for Michael. I love him, but like I wasn't formed and created for him. <laughs> Listen, if I think that way, which I have, I put this weight on him that he just can't hold because he's only a man, a wonderful man, but still a man. And when we do that to one another, we, we, we start to, we just get in weird, wonky places. I'm up and I'm down and I'm up and I'm down and I'm up and I'm down because today you met my expectation and you saw all my needs and you cared for me and tomorrow you don't. And it's so very self-centered, self-serving, but you were made for this one because this is the one, you guys, listen, we are all longing to be fully 
known, valued, seen, understood, and desired. And there is not a human on the face of the planet that will fully see you, know you, accept you, embrace you, and value you in a flawless way. If you think you found them, just give it a couple months. I usually tell people, like, we call it the 90-day rule. It's like, we're in love, we're in love, we're in love. I'm like, just call me in three months, and then we'll talk. You can be fooled for a little bit. <clears throat> this faith is unlike any other faith. It, you come in and it requires all of you. It's the only way to be content or satisfied in God is to just, okay, you can have it all. And you don't do that one time. You live like that. You live that way. You do that every day. You can have it all. This is what picking up your cross and following him is like. Because if you don't let go of it all and surrender it all daily, you will experience that frustration and that torment that I'm talking about. Because he will have no one above him or beside him. When you accept Christ, it's way more miserable to live half-heartedly in that. You can't enjoy your sin anymore. Like before, there wasn't the fire of God living on your insides. When you come to the Lord and then the fire of God's on your inside, even when you choose to do the sin that you did before that was so enjoyable, it is frustrating because it's not as fun anymore. And the only way to be fully satisfied and content is to... And I, I, I have to do this all the time. Every day. And it's so liberating. So liberating. I exist for God. Can you say that with me? I exist for God. This is not for the uber spiritual. This is not for me because I'm a pastor. It's not for Abby because she's a worship leader. It's for anyone who comes to him. You exist for him. You don't have to be uber spiritual. You don't have, it's not, this is not about behavior modification. This is about, God, you can have it all. God, you can have it all. I messed up. Here I am again today. God, you can have it all. Here I am again today. God, you can have it all. I exist for you. Oh, I fell. I'm coming back. I'm here for you. I worship you in my weakness. I worship you in my weakness. I worship you even when I'm afraid. I serve you even when I don't know. I exist for you. When you come into alignment with that, you find freedom. You find love. You find a peace that surpasses your understanding. You find a love that is beyond knowledge.
Y'all are looking at me like I'm crazy. This is your original design. When, when Moses brought the Israelites, when God brought the Israelites out of Egypt and he brought them into the promised land and Moses is giving them this speech and he says, listen, I can't go in with you here, but like, don't put any other gods before him. Why? Look at Deuteronomy chapter four, verse 22. Okay, this is Moses talking, and he says, I've got to die here, go to 23. He says, take care lest you forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which he made with you, and make a carved image, the form of anything that the Lord your God has forbidden you. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. Listen, in this covenant, that fire was outside of you. In our covenant, that fire is now here. And that fire will devour his enemies. He will go before you and wipe out enemies. The only problem that might create for you is if you wanted to hold on to one of his enemies because they were your friend and God's enemy. that would be problematic because his fire won't quit. You see, he, he, he is the covenant-keeping God. So when you came to him, he said, I'll keep my side of this deal. And so he's faithful even when you're faithless. And so when you said, I'm all yours, God, remember that one time you came forward and you said that, or that one time you sang that song, he said, yep, got it, take it. I'll take your word for it, I'm in. And from then on, his fire, it won't stop. And for you, to, for, you to, for you to get away from it, you have to full on reject it. Because it just will just keep burning. And the best thing you can do is just give in to the burn. Give in to the burn. He is a jealous God. He is a, he will not share this space. And if you, as you grow and mature in him, the things that are, that are okay for you to keep in this space, that list gets shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter. It's like when I first came to the Lord, there were, there were behavior patterns, things I thought, things I felt, things I did that, that were somehow more permissible at that time because I was younger in the Lord. But now, standing before you as a leader, there are so many things that I don't do, can't do, won't allow, the Spirit of God won't condone because I'm accountable in a greater way than I was when I was 24. If, you, if, if, if you're going around fornicating, like that's one thing. And not okay. But imagine the magnitude if Kevin is going around fornicating. Well, that has the ramifications to the body of Christ are a lot bigger. And so as you grow in the Lord, you begin to just respond 
more and more light. Let your fire come. Let me live day by day, moment by moment in your fire. James chapter four, look at, look at James chapter four. We love our Bibles. James chapter four, verse four. We're getting the Holy Spirit steam room up in here. <laughs> Do you, you, I'm sorry, it starts like this. You adulterous people. Imagine if I stood up and yelled that at you. Uh, Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? Keep going. But he gives What does he give? More grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. I have good news for you. You don't have to have a God oppose you if you just say, okay, whatever. I'm humble. I will give in to whatever, however, Lord. Here's the thing. Where is God the Father? He's in heaven, right? Who's seated next to him? Jesus, and he's sitting next to him. And when you came to Christ, somebody else came resident here. Who is it? All right, so James says that scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us. You see, Moses is talking about Hey, don't make an idol because your God is a consuming fire. He's a jealous God. And now we're living in the new covenant where God the Father is yearning jealously for the indwelling spirit in us. And the best thing, see, this is the thing. You just give in to the longing between the two of them. You're just somehow caught between the spirit longing for the Father and to glorify Jesus and the Father and the, and the Jesus. <laughs> the Father and Jesus longing, yearning jealously for this spirit that's inside of you. Listen, it's not about you doing better. It's about you letting go and giving in to this jealous fire inside of you. It is the most adventure-filled, terrifying, scary life to live day by day. Okay. You know, the, the Bible says that those who are of the Spirit, they're like the wind. They don't know where it comes from or where it's going. Why? Because he's in charge of you. You belong to him. He possesses you. So you don't get to say, tomorrow I'm doing this, I'm doing that, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. He's like, no, who's in charge here? You can have it your way or you can have it my way. If you want to have it your way, go ahead. But that fire is just going to be like acid reflux in your soul until you give in. 
Only the older people are laughing. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's the, okay. I'm not gonna say that I'm gonna do this, marry so-and-so in this timing, in this way. It's, you're in charge. You have the keys to my life. You have the calendar. Have your way. I exist for you. I'm so sorry for those of you who grew up in church and someone like me stood in front of you and told you, like, God's going to give you all your, make all your dreams come true. When you come to Christ, you give everything up. And you have no, the only rights you have are the best ones. It's to freedom, righteousness, peace, joy, and love. But listen, all the, all the first people like you and me, most of them were martyred. Like, I... Uh, <laughs> this is what you've been promised. You've been promised life, and you've been promised the closeness of the uncreated, eternal God here with you. If someone puts your head on a chopping block for following him, he's going to be right there. And one day, you'll be with him in glory. This is what I'm trying to prepare my children for. I'm not like, follow Jesus. He'll give you the man of your dreams. He did that for me. And I think he wants to give his children good gifts, but it has to be a complete letting go. He is so worth it. And listen, this is why we started here, is because you exist for God. When he formed you and fashioned you, it was like, it was like, it was like reward. Here's reward. He's forming, he's fashioning, and he Reward will only work in this environment, in this alignment. When he's all given over to the lordship of Jesus. Otherwise, he's going to be fractured, sort of limping, sort of frustrated, sort of tormented. And this is, what, this is why idolatry is, is, is a problem, is because it's bad for you. It doesn't honor God, and it's not how you're wired. It's like trying to plug your iPhone into a Samsung plug. It just, it won't work. You know, or those cheap gas station cords, and they like, it's like, then all of a sudden your car won't, it's like the accessory will not play, and it's like, my it's because that cord wasn't made for that phone. And you were made a certain way and you just ain't gonna function right until you give in to that way. I've never sweated so much when I'm preaching. Ooh. Say, I exist for God. <laughs> this used to be very difficult for me 
And the first time you give over to him is the hardest time. Because you, you're not yet, you don't yet know that he's so worth it. Once you encounter him, you're like, oh. And the more you walk with him, the easier it becomes to surrender to him because now you have this track record, like Abby was saying. It's like, well, he always restores. Well, he will always take care of me. Well, following him is so much better than whatever lame plan I had. Okay, I have one intense scripture for you. <laughs> and then we'll just respond, okay? So after this, if the band wants to come up, we're going to read Jeremiah 13. <clears throat> I want you to track with me. This is amazing and odd. This is what the Lord tells Jeremiah. Go and buy a linen loincloth. Does anyone know what a loincloth is? It's underwear. Okay? And put it around your waist and do not dip it in water. So I bought a loincloth according to the word of the Lord and put it around my waist. And the word of the Lord came to me a second time. Take the loincloth that you've bought, which is around your waist, and arise. Go to the Euphrates and hide it there in a cleft of the rock. So I went and I hid it by the Euphrates as the Lord commanded me. And after many days, the Lord said to me, arise, go to the Euphrates, and take from there the loincloth that I commanded you to hide there. Then I went to the Euphrates and dug, and I took the loincloth from the place where I had hidden it, and behold, the loincloth was spoiled. It was good for nothing. Can you picture this? We've got Jeremiah, got a new pair of undies, takes it to the Euphrates, hides it in a rock. I mean, the word of the Lord is so strange sometimes. <laughs> Imagine if I prophesied like that now. Um, and then he says, now after many days, go back and get it. He pulls it out. It's spoiled. It's good for nothing. So let's see what happens. Then the word of the Lord came to me. Thus says the Lord, even so will I spoil the pride of Judah and the great pride of Jerusalem. This evil people who refuse to hear my words, who stubbornly follow their own heart and have gone after other gods to serve them and worship them shall be like this loincloth, which is good for nothing. This is what I want you to pay attention to. For as the loincloth clings to the waist of a man, so I made the whole house of Israel and the whole house of Judah, which you and I have been grafted into, cling to me, declares the Lord, that they might be for me a people, a name, a praise, and a glory, but they would not listen. You were made. You were made. To cling to God like the most intimate piece of clothing clings to your skin. You were made to cling to him. You weren't made to go through life and not have problems or issues or fear or, or sadness or grief or anger or pain, but you were made in all of that to cling close, close. And this, this is the crazy beauty of our God is that that's what he wants. He wants closeness. 
He's not asking you for to get it all right. He's asking you to come close, that you would be for him a name, a people, a praise for his glory. This is how you're wired. This is how you will best function. This is how you will find your, oh, I'm in my lane. It's not about the external. It's about this place with him where you're clinging to him in the most intimate places of your heart and your life where you you are a name for him and he says he says in Deuteronomy when he's when he's sending them into the promised land and then he says again in the new covenant in 1 Peter 2 he says you are a royal priesthood a people for his own possession God wants to possess you and nothing less than possession and what is why is this good news is that if God owns you it means he's in charge of you and he's responsible for you I own a dog and like I have to make sure he's fed and taken care of. He has a place to sleep. I own him. And so he doesn't have to worry. Like, am I going to get food? Am I going to have a place to stay? Is someone going to pet me? And I'm like, I'm not even a dog person. But like, I own him, so I take care of him. If God owns you, you are in good hands. It means you don't have to worry about all the things because he possesses you. Listen, you were made to be possessed by God. This is not this is not for the uber spiritual. This is not for the pastor. This is not for people called to ministry. It is for the child of God. It is the one thing that will never change in your life. Do you know you're an eternal being? You are going to exist for an eternity. And there is only one thing about you that will never change, and it's that you belong to God. Everything else about your body, your life, your relationships, your choices, it is all going to always change except this one thing. Listen, B.L. Brady went to be with the Lord two weeks ago. He, even now, he's in the great cloud of witnesses. And the one thing that has not changed about him is that he belongs to God. He shifted into the eternal realm and his identity remained. That's crazy. And the sooner you give into that and let go and give in and say, yeah, belong to you. Possess me, God. You're lining up with eternity, and I'm telling you, who knows what could happen in your life at that point? Who even knows what is possible in your life at that point? I have been, since the day that I gave over, I have been living the most wildest adventure following him. This is your portion. It's so much better than whatever you had in mind. And so we're just going to begin to happily release idols, happily repent. Oh, Lord, I know you guys. I see you worship. You don't want anything above him or beside him. I know you. I see that in you. And if that thing, if there's something in you that's like, afraid right now, it's because it is an idol. If there's something in you that doesn't want to let go, it's, that is your sign. 
That's your sign. I remember I, there was like, there was a relationship I was in. I was so afraid to let go of it. I knew that if I came to God and then I had to let go of that. You know how you just, I just knew, like, I can't have both. Are you with me? Like, I knew. And, and if something like that is popped in your head, that's your thing. That's your thing. That's a thing that doesn't want to let go, but God is like, oh, let's get free. Let's get free. Let's be liberated. Guys, before this, I was a scared, insecure, fear of man, like angsty mess. And he has so liberated me into passion and confidence and freedom and joy. This is, this is your inheritance. It will only come this way. So will you stand with me? If any of our staff members have things that come up that you want to release in prayer, just come can we just take a minute to respond? Can we do that? Yes, we can. Yes. Do we have an altar team here? Yeah, if the altar team could come up, that'd be great. Listen, I don't want you to leave the room with the enemy still nagging you, still messing with you. If you have sin in your life, you can let it go. You don't have to leave with it. You can be free. If you've done something that you wish you wouldn't have done, you could be free. You could be forgiven, whole, free at seven o'clock on Sunday night. It doesn't have to leave with you in your car. The torment can stop. The accusation can stop. The condemnation can stop. But it will take you acknowledging it. for you. I exist for you, for your pleasure, for your possession, for your praise, to worship you and serve you from conception into eternity. Here I am, maybe weak, maybe broken, but here I am, here I am. 